We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Mr. J. I'm just kidding, this is Abe. <laughs> Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, we like to have these special bonus episodes every now and then, whenever, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. Something completely different. This is uh, a lot of words. This is something completely different. This is a uh, mini-review uh, for Birds of Prey. Or Birds of Prey colon and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, or according to <laughs> certain ticketing websites, Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Thank you. I was gonna be like, wait, he's forgetting the one that they classified on IMDb. So, but you got it. IMDb is certainly being pretty. <laughs> they're they're be, they're being a little overzealous on like the actual change of title, which is not, but whatever. <laughs> uh, regard, yeah, we're talking about this though. We're talking about the the Birds of Prey movie. Starring Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, along with the many other people playing in this ensemble DC affair. Joining us to discuss Harley Quinn, Golem, the Birds of Prey, whatever. <laughs> now I'm reading it. <laughs> we, we have from Why So Blue, he just flew in. It's Peter Paris. Yo, yo, hey, hey. How are you doing this evening, Peter? I am good, although it has felt like a long week. I can't believe it's only Tuesday. <laughs> this is true. I, I can echo your sentiments. I, I can't. I feel fine. <laughs> just <laughs> Um, I don't know, but maybe the wind's moving me along quite well. <laughs> uh, that's a, a regional specific joke on that one. But uh, all right, let's. That's all we're gonna do this evening. We're gonna we're just gonna talk about Birds of Prey, do a mini review here, and mm-hmm. then we'll get back to uh back to the normalcy in uh, next week's show. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's uh let's get into it. Let's talk about Birds of Prey. Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Ah, shit. I told this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the Fierce goddess within. <laughs> it's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people want me dead. Alright, that should have been some of the trailer for Birds of Prey. I didn't write it on an elaborate thing because this is a mini-review, so I'm just going to read the plot description off of IMDb. After splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya. A lot of... All right, to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. This is why I write my own. Like, oh. <laughs> that was, that was... I mean, to be fair, the ones that are submitted are also, like, crowdsourced. Yeah, a lot of liberal uses of superhero in that sentence, but whatever. We're talking Birds of Prey. The movie opened up this past weekend, Oscar weekend. It, so many are saying, underperformed as it only opened to, what was it, like, 33, 35? Yeah, like, that was 33. Yeah, um... For in with 33, yeah, for which is fairly low for a superhero movie, let alone a DC superhero movie. I believe it's the lowest since Jonah Hex, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yona, uh, yeah, Yona Hex is <laughs> my favorite Yiddish superhero. Um, <laughs> but no, okay, Birds of Prey. Peter, what do you think of this movie? 
you know, I was a big fan. I um I hated Suicide Squad. I I liked Margot Robbie. Oh, actually, and I liked Will Smith also in Suicide Squad. Um, but I was hopeful um, that this would be pretty entertaining, and I pretty much got what I wanted. Like I I don't know if it necessarily exceeded my expectations, but I mean, like I I really I really enjoyed it. I I would definitely would we say um, I know someone said this before. Are are we considering for the DCEU? Are there eight of them? Is that correct? Yeah, if we're not counting Joker, which I guess we don't need to. I took it off my letterbox ranking list because it's not technically a part of this <laughs> universe. Um, yes, this would be the eighth entry in the DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I would I would say that I would rank it, it's for sure, in like the top three. I mean, there's a part of me that wonders if it's actually my number one, but I would... Uh, oh. Well, I will hold that until I rewatch it when it comes on home video or whatever. But like, what's one, in contention? Well, I would say I Wonder Woman in general. I think is the best one. Um, but you know, I I, I actually also liked. Uh, I enjoyed Aquaman and I liked um, Man of Steel. Um, however, I will say that the one thing about Wonder Woman is that as much as as good as it is, as good as it is, um, I don't. It's hard because of the kind of movie it is, you know, of, of the last 10 years. It's it's hard not to think of it as I mean, it's just, it's just, besides that it's, you know, it's DC, it's essentially just a it's a superhero formula origin movie like that we've seen a bunch of over the last 10 years. And I always thought the end of Wonder Woman was kind of just okay, you know, like just a big another big CG battle. You know, this I was like, oh, this is a pretty good finale. Um, and we can get into it more that sure. there's probably some fair comparisons to something like Deadpool, but I don't know. I, I think it, I'll be, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to hold up. I, I, I feel like it's don't really have any major issues or anything. So, you know, I, yeah. I you mentioned Deadpool, which is, I think is just clearly going to come up. But I honestly, I would say this is better than the Deadpool movies. Cause I'm not big on the Deadpool movies. I think they're fine. I think they do their job. I think Reynolds is good in them. And I think the the set pieces are entertaining. The first one had some, I guess it established a certain level of iconicism. Um, and the second one, just you had David Leach there, so you had more like interesting fight choreography and what have you. Particularly in the, I guess, unextended, or the director's cut, whatever you want to... It, it's a big elaborate title for the Blu-ray. But it has some neat fights going on or whatnot, along with like the irreverence and whatnot. This is doing a lot of that, but I think there's... I think there's more purpose to it. Like, beyond just being like, what if we did a superhero movie, but it was given a candy-coated spray paint of R rating on top of it? This one actually feels like, in addition to doing that, it is playing into what you kind of expect from this kind of movie, and especially because you have a, you know, a group of female superheroes or supervillains or anti-heroes or whatever you want to call them. But, I mean, there there is something to play with more there because of the type of people that we're dealing with. And I do think that works in the film's favor. Um, especially when you have, you know, female filmmakers behind the camera, there's less of an emphasis on the kinds of things that are made for a certain teenage audience versus the kinds of things that people would just find admirable in a movie like this in terms of how it's put together and whatnot. And, I again, I think that works in the film's favor. Overall... I think it's I think it's pretty good. I don't I I don't 
I put it right in the middle of the pack, I guess, when it comes to the kind of DC extended universe. But I do think the the highlights of the film work well for it. The highlights being the performances. I think the actors are all doing their job and the action. Uh, we know uh, Chad Stahelski came in, director of the John Wick films, to uh, to do like second unit work on the fight scenes, and that effort shows, particularly like you mentioned, Peter, in the third act. I do think the action, because it's grounded in a sense and a level of reality. I, I think there's some strong fight stuff going on that's interesting to watch and enjoyable. Um, Margot Robbie as the lead does the job as Harley Quinn. Like she gets more of a chance to do her own thing as opposed to Suicide Squad, which I agree is a dumpster fire of a film that happens to have a few decent things that stand out. So I guess the best thing I can say about Birds of Prey is the key that they had to making it a better film following up Suicide Squad was replacing almost every single person involved with Suicide Squad. So good on them but uh, Abe where are you at with this movie yeah I'm a little bit of uh both camps here I think that there's some entertainment value to it um and then I think that at some points it didn't really stick as much of a landing um I will say that overall what I like about this movie is that it's a Harley Quinn movie um there are some points where I was expecting maybe they might introduce the Joker again uh and then I was like I'm glad that they didn't I'm glad that they just focused on her they told her story of her, you know, I guess she and she and the Joker breaking up and her doing her own thing. And then they uh, involve a few other characters. To some degree, I think that the few other characters might be a little much at times. Uh, there are some times when a certain character um, kind of goes in and out. And then I forgot about her for a little bit. And then she shows back up, uh, which is OK. But uh, Who? Huntress. <laughs> um, and... In general, it's it's a well choreographed movie. I really like the way that it was shot. The what you just brought up with Chad Helensky, Stahelski, Stahelski, uh, really comes out um, in especially in uh, in a uh, evidence room scene. And I was like, oh, this is a well done scene. What I like about it is it's visually easy to follow and what i mean by that is there there are a few edits there are a few cuts uh so as it goes along it's it's a nice visual piece but i think tonally it's just a little uneven sometimes i really liked some of the humor some of the meta humor you brought up deadpool she talks to the screen breaks that fourth wall um but other times when it's trying to be a little bit more I, I don't know. I think the scene that I, that sort of sticks out in my mind is is a scene where Black Mask is is basically terrorizing a woman at his club. And I was like, I, I get what they're doing here, but also it, it just feels like this is a more serious movie than other parts of the movie or than than other segments of the movie. Um, but overall, entertaining movie. Entertaining movie. It might be a little long, but still, I, I found it enjoyable enough uh, enough for it to be. I guess R-rated. I, I did especially enjoy. I think that who, who's the young actress, the shoplifter, or not the shoplifter, but the Ella um, J. Basco. Ella J. Basco. Cassandra, Cassandra Kane. Yeah. yeah, she she's cool in that she kind of speaks her mind, but also she, I just like that she's a pickpocket uh, roaming through the streets of Gotham and doing her thing. Uh, strange, strange to have Renee Montoya in here. I guess I I don't really follow the comic book, so I'm sure that she's a part of it. But I think just seeing Rosie Perez running through Gotham, being a cop, uh, sort of threw me for a loop at first because I thought that she was going to be solving a larger case and then she just dumps it and is like, I'll just become a renegade 
a vigilante. So well, they they throw her off the case. Like she doesn't. They do. The yeah. <laughs> she I, wanted to pursue the case. This is true. Yeah, nothing against her on that per se, but just that these turn of events kind of just happen because. Um, and lastly, what I do like about it is that Harley Quinn just stays a bad guy throughout the whole thing. They they have. Um, uh, uh, L.A.J. Basco kind of coming in there and maybe you think that she's going to be like, well, you know, heart of gold kind of things. Like, no. She still tries to sell her out. Still tries to, like, give her to the bad guys. Still tries to do whatever um, with, like, a nice little sprinkle of uh, hope at the end there. But still, uh, she's a bad guy through and through. The, um... <laughs> I... You know, I I agree to a point as far as because like I think Peter, you're the highest on it. I'm like right in the middle. Where I I think the issues I have are more centered on structure, I guess. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not as though I think it's I don't think it's necessarily a mess. And I think if anything, there's the way the story's told through the narration and whatnot. It it plays with the idea that Harley's not stable as a person. Sure, I can. I can admire that as far as a filmmaking choice goes. At the same time, I wonder how much of that is covering up for a different version of this movie where it's more linear. Because we do have points where we go to a certain place in time and then we have to back up and re-explain certain things. It's mm-hmm. It doesn't make it like feel too egregious. It's not like Suicide Squad where they have multiple intros for the same character over the same few characters over and over again, along with ridiculously terrible soundtrack choices that are way on the nose this one reduces that as well <laughs> um but I, I, I it took me a bit to like kind of get on the wavelength of this movie like it started off like fun enough because you have the the voiceover and the well it's got a great stuff. cold open yeah too. the cold open yeah. thing with the cartoon thing like there there's fun stuff to go on there but then you have to kind of sit with the movie to kind of let it let it guide you on whatever kind of story it's telling. And I guess because there's not much of a story it needs to, it's like trying to tell beyond she broke up with her boyfriend and now like, what's next? It's like, okay. Like what, what's the drive here? And I guess that's why you, I mean, that's why you have the other birds of prey that essentially put Harley on the, I guess the thing is like, Harley's not the, she's not the agent of chaos that the Joker is. It's not, she just kind of happens to be involved with a thing that's going on around her. So there's a momentum thing there. Peter, Peter, where are you with this? Do you have... Yeah, Peter, did you have uh, questions about the timeline or issues with the timeline? You know, it's weird because I remember... Um, I don't remember... I'm sure it's the... Is the is the first Deadpool... Is that the one where um, it begins on a freeway? And we always keep going back to the freeway scene. Yeah, is that Deadpool is like yeah. three scenes. And the main one is the freeway. <laughs> right, yep. That's the first and one. I like... In Deadpool, it felt like we were 45 minutes or an hour in, and we're still going back to this to complete this freeway scene. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I was like, it it's just kind of hard to keep getting jerked around, like back and forth through time and everything. Even though I find Ryan Reynolds, you know, very charming. Well, and I, think stuff. The, I mean, the difference there though is Deadpool was a cheap movie. I mean, for especially for a superhero movie, it was like 30 million, if not less. Sure. Where yeah, this is, right. you know, it's a hundred million dollar superhero movie. <laughs> like it has more to work well, with. So like I guess in this one, like they they do a lot of like, yes, where there's a character and then Harley will be like, oh wait one second, you know, let me give you a backstory about who they and they do, they do a lot of back and forth, but for some reason it didn't bother me. Like I would agree with Abe that not every scene works, especially the scene he's talking about, the scene at the bar where um, Black Mask 
like you know is really cruel to that uh, pick, uh the woman the customer and right. her, like all that, that scene feels tonally like i'm like wow it's like that's a little dark like um but in general just the 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 kind of like stream of consciousness like type of thing which i think is fitting you're right fitting for harley quinn's uh, psyche mm-hmm. i thought that all worked pretty well also i will say another thing that i thought occurred to me was that in suicide and i know i keep comparing this and it's not a sequel i even said this in my review it's not a sequel to suicide squad but it's hard not to it's hard not for me to kind of think of it that way and, and i i brought this up in my review that like um i think it's interesting because this is all warner brothers but like um and the first annabelle and the first ouija are just kind of like eh, they're okay but the second ones, I I, I, really, I would not say okay, but okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> Lo- lower than okay for me on those ones. But I know yeah, what you're saying. Yes, the sequels right. are dramatically better. <laughs> dramatically, better. and with and I felt that this way too. Like like one thing I was I was saying is Amos was talking about like they don't make Harley, or it sounded like you were saying they keep Harley a villain. I wouldn't say she I. I wouldn't necessarily say she's a villain. She's not a hero. Like, yes, they sure. saddle with the teen girl, but, and you're right. She does do like b- bad, selfish things or whatever. But I felt like this had a pretty good balance of like, sh- she's just trying to move forward and live her life. And all this chaos is happening in suicide squad. I always felt that there was this like, Hey man, we're badasses, you know, we don't, uh, but I guess we have to do this thing. And like, it, <laughs> it's just so much of a pose. I was like, oh, Peter, those lines were better than any line in suicide squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this, like, I, I guess I wasn't when I'm watching it, I'm not thinking like, Oh, she's, she is a villain or is she a hero? I wasn't thinking of it in that, superhero comic book thing uh, even especially though, in the, the the logic that she's broken up with the joker like that's her you know abuser and what have you and the person that's driving her towards more malicious deeds where on her own whether it's in batman the animated series the comics or in here i do think there's effort put in to be like yeah she's just i mean i think a, a comparison i have is like guy Ritchie movies that's a lot what this the tone of this is trying to go for specifically uh like a, being a crime comedy caper type of thing and the characters in those movies, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, beyond some of the ones that are obvious villains, like, I don't know, Bricktop and Snatch or what have you, most of the characters there aren't necessarily villains or heroes. They just kind of exist in this world populated by people that, you know, surround themselves in a criminal environment. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm skewing the morals a bit because it's a movie. It's a heightened universe, not talking about reality. That's where Harley Quinn seems to operate here. She's, she's no different than someone like Jason Statham or Gerard Butler in Rock and Roll. Like, they just kind of operate in this world that's, you know, on the underground, on the seedier side. They're not, they're, but they're not necessarily bad people. And I I guess the, there's just not much to it as far as what Harley's going through. Like, it establishes early on, like we mentioned, that she broke up with the Joker, but sure. what else? What else, what else is there yeah, for her? Yeah, I'd say that really the, the story is fairly light overall. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing, just... She breaks up. She's got to go on a quest to save her life. The things that I really enjoyed were actually the first, the first act where she's running throughout Gotham. The, the I, I want to say New York. Case. The sandwich day. Yeah, the breakfast sandwiches. I was like, this is fun. This is like a, a whole bunch of streets that I've never really seen Gotham in a in in a, a Gotham light before because Gotham's usually dark and maybe like overcast. That's true, uh, actually. Yeah, you're getting a lot of daytime Gotham in like the ur- the more urban parts of Gotham. Yeah, and it's just like they're they're clearly like in you know 
the Bronx or whatever, uh, you know, upper part of Manhattan kind of thing. And it's like, this is fun, though, because it's also just fun to see other criminals in Gotham uh-huh. aside from I, I'm, not, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about like uh, Black Mask or whatever, just more like, you know, small time crook thugs. And that's, that why, just, like, that's, that's, why, I think the, that's why I think the Guy Ritchie thing fits. I mean, it's just like, yeah, they're just in this kind of world and everything's kind of mm-hmm. zany. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that stuff is fun to see. Uh, but as you get deeper into it, I will say that the the plot line is thin, but what I really did enjoy about the, I guess maybe like the endish sequences, the visual effects and production design really well done. The, the part where she has to go to the the abandoned uh, amusement what, park, amusement Carnival. park. But the scene that I really liked was when she walks out on the wharf or like on on that pier. Okay, I was like, this is really looking cool, and I liked whether they're making. You know, the way, the way that they're mixing in the audio uh, for the sound design. It, like, oh. it has a, it feels like a comic book. Like, it, it does that job, I think, quite well. Right. And to kick it off, it's a violent movie. So it ends with violence. You and... know, to, to think, to, to track back to the characters, I mean, the, we're, we're talking about Harley's stuff is not necessarily like, it's not plot, it's not driving the plot. Really, it's, I mean, Cassandra Kane. I get well, she's like the MacGuffin, I suppose. She just talks. I guess it's like Black Canary. Like, she has, I mean, they give it, you get a lot of time spent with her in terms of being involved with Black Mask, having her own kind of narrative through line. There's an arc of sorts. I mean, there, there's a lot for her to, like, you get a big, you get a big, like, flashback, like, after Harley invades the police station. You're like, we got to back up and see what's going on here. You spend a lot of time with her all of a sudden and like learn about like what's going on with her, why she's working at this club, what's going on with her and Black Mask. Like there's a, there's a lot there. Like that seems like the the, the character of more plot moment. And then you have yeah you have Huntress on the side who kind of comes in and out. Um, it, but Funny it, lines here and there. Well, I mean, yeah, it, I mean it plays it like Mary Elizabeth Winstead's social awkwardness for the character like pays off yeah. as far as being. I mean, it's directly different from the other characters, so it just right. makes it funnier. And and the you know what they write purposely funny. For example, when it immediately cuts into a sequence where she's practicing how to say that she's you know the huntress, uh-huh. and then also there's a, a funny line where. Um, People are asking her what's up with the uh, the bow and arrow or whatever, and, and she gets upset. Uh, I thought that those were well done, executed, funny lines. But like what you're saying, the in and out part didn't throw me off as much, but it was kind of just for a, a long sequence, she's kind of gone, and then she shows back up at a, at a Chinese food shop. What did you guys think of Ewan McGregor as a Roman, Roman Sionis, a.k.a. Black Mask? So I have a question for both of you guys. I don't know anything about Black Mask. Is this how Black Mass is supposed to act? Oh, that I don't know. Yes, I mean more or less. The okay. the Black Mask part is supposed to kind of be significant as far as um, having said mask to <laughs> create a certain persona. But the way mm-hmm. the character works is just he's just kind of the same once he puts the mask on, so it doesn't really okay. make too much of a difference. But as far as like a kind of fancy bourgeoisie villain kind of guy with a lot yeah. of like rage issues and menace yeah that's all that's all there. sure yeah <laughs> i mean for the most part you mcgregor is just like i'm just gonna be roman Sionis and play black mask the way i want to play black mask and i was like i'm cool with it i mean, I mean he's, having, like he's, he's having a ball, ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's having a good enough time but also i was like i don't know if this is supposed to be the character or if he's like doing his own thing so 
Peter, what'd you think? Well, it's funny because like um, I was just uh, I was talking to a friend who saw who saw Birds of Prey, and he was he didn't really like it that much, and he loved. Um, he just recently he really liked Doctor Sleep, and then he just got you know the new three the three hour uh, the director's cut, which is he very good. I watched that. Right, one. Really yeah, yeah. Um, and he he was saying how like he was surprised because he's like, wow, you know, you McGregor was so good. Uh, in Doctor Sleep, and he did not like him at all in this. <laughs> I had like I had the opposite reaction. I was like, "Man, you McGregor's having a good year." <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> six months. I was like, "These are both pretty good roles." Like, um, I I thought he was I thought he was really charming. Besides that one scene, you know, at the bar or whatever, sure. I I thought he was uh, pretty charming. In, well, in he's charismatic. In, I mean, that's what he's supposed charismatic. to be. Charismatic, but still. Um, dangerous i think my issue though it's, it's weird don't really know if i th- think ewan is necessarily playing this is that um what is, is it chris messina is that yeah chris, yeah, chris messina yeah. so he has like a you know second in command henchman like type of character victor victor zaz who's a deranged serial killer who's also in the comics and is uh, very threatening <laughs> right yeah, it, but... took me a, it took me a second to figure out that those chris messina as well i was like i know that well, guy he's got he his blonde familiar. hair and his teeth well, yeah, 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 like, like they, yeah. yeah they silvered up his beard and they it's, gave him it's like very, it's not teeth. a very chris messina role so it's like oh good on you doing something or he's different. playing schmoozy doctor opposite mindy kaling Right, I think of him more as just like gruff guy in indie movies, but yeah, he's oh. on that show also. <laughs> yeah, like, I, felt, I guess I felt like it's weird because one of the things I like about um, Birds of Prey is that it obviously look it's a you know woman writer, woman director, and obviously what the subject matter is. There's so much here that can be. Um, as far as like think pieces and stuff, it can be a very loaded like type of movie, you know, like it or not like it. Um, sure. But the movie itself, I don't think the movie really does play into its politics as much as you would think it would be. Like considering as much as it could be, it really seems like it's really more interested in diving into um, the characters, mostly Harley, and really just being this very engaging like two hours or whatever, which I think is great. What was weird to me was that for all these other things that can be seen as kind of forward thinking, I did I kind of felt like um, uh, uh, black man Roman and what is the what's uh, the other guy's name? Victor's ass. Victor. Victor. I kind of felt like they were sort of like that trope from um, even though I love the movie of uh, James Mason and Martin Landau in North by Northwest. It's kind of like a a coded gay villain like type of couple. I don't I don't necessarily know if I think you McGregor plays into it, but I definitely think Messina does. Yeah. There's that yeah. like, oh he's my man. And I, and I was I guess I just felt like I was like, really? I was like, do we need this? I was like, why it, that that just felt a little I a little regressive, I guess. Interesting. It's not in the world, but eh, you know I mean it, it's it's sexually ambiguous and I was okay with it because it was just I, I just also thought, well, they're both deranged, so sure, sure, right. it, it wasn't as much like, oh, wow, there's like some sexual tension between them. It was more just like, no, Christmas is just fucking crazy, <laughs> and so he just like yeah, he does have a whatever strong, he needs to say kind of thing, you know? He what does mean? have a strong dependency on doing everything for Roman, though. I, mm-hmm. I think it, it's not, it's not not there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> whether it goes both ways, that's a different story. 
Correct. Sure. But but Messina certainly there's they're playing into something, and they've addressed this in interviews. Not oh, haven't they? Okay. Not directly as far as like yes, we're definitely doing it this way. This is what we meant by it. But I mean, the, it's certainly a question that's come up, and they've they've I guess you got to read them or watch their videos to like have a better idea of what they're trying to yeah. say about it. But I mean, they, I know what you're saying, Peter, and I can't say I agree with Abor. I'm not saying it. It didn't quite rub me the wrong way, but it, it was noticeable enough. It's like, all right, well, there, there's a there's a choice being made yeah, here. I can clearly see right. that. Right. Uh, but it also, I mean, I wouldn't say that's too far from just like a '90s cliche, honestly, because I think a lot of this movie is rooted in '90s nostalgia as far as how the action and plotting is constructed. I, th- I think it's taking a lot of pages from that kind of post-Tarantino, post-pulp fiction era of like, let's you know, get a sprawling plot together with an ensemble cast and put them all in and see what kind yeah. of shenanigans they get into. I, I think that's a lot, a lot of that is there. Yeah. And you do have villains that still operate in that kind of means as well. Uh, sorry, to back up a bit, Peter, you were talking about how the film doesn't necessarily take serious effort to address some of the kind of ideas you think you would see in a movie that, you know, is largely female. And I agree with you. I think there's, it's, it's, it's refreshing to a point because it's not a film that needs to like wear its message on its sleeve and it's right. like that's that's an ideal you'd kind of want to have at some point, right? Where you mm-hmm. don't need you can just make a movie like this without having to address what kind of champ what kind of championing you're doing for you know for the women's causes or what have you. Uh, and even then, I still think there's you you can see the movie playing into some subversion to be, being you know being a little subversive as far as just the imagery, just the idea of having. Uh, a whole fleet of men dressed in masks and trying to do harm versus a strong set of women that are working together and doing what they need to, to take down bad guys. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. it's there, there's loaded imagery on the, on the screen that doesn't need to like scream out, look at what we're doing or what have you. I think it, and I mean, far be it for me to explain something that, you know, the female audience is probably experiencing without having to kind of call attention to it either. But I certainly think there's different arguments that can be made by the audience that's watching a film like this. Well, maybe, maybe the difference is that, you know, and we've heard this from um, uh, filmmakers and fans and stuff is that like, you know, this Birds of Prey um, is rated R and it's designed as a, a an R movie. Now, obviously, teenagers might sneak in or watch it later or whatever. But in theory, it's made for an adult audience um, sure. as, you know, Black Panther, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel those movies are made not just for all audiences, you know, the can the, the classic eight to 80, but they, I've heard the filmmakers and, and fans talk about being like, wow, you know, if I was a little girl or if I was a kid and was, you know, and I, first time I saw T'Challa, I would want to be just like him. I'd want to be like princess or I want to be just like Diana. So that, and maybe, maybe that's why I'm a little more okay with those movies leaning being a little more literal minded because i was like well yeah a kid is gonna see wonder woman and maybe you can be a little more on the nose but yeah, you want to put that messaging you want to be more earnest is what you're right. saying essentially yeah right but this is rated r and you're assuming that you can be a little you yes you can absolutely have loaded imagery but you don't literally have to have the characters call attention to it or if you do you do it with harley quinn being kind of funny about it and i think the movie does and and, and i appreciate that like uh, that's one of the things uh, I I really enjoyed. Um, it, you know that could go both ways though, because if you're rated R, at that point you have more freedom, right? I mean, you don't have to limit yourself because of the rating. You can do more elaborate things or put more. Well, 
surreal ideas or things that yeah, are just sure, different. Sure. At, at yeah, that point. and that's actually really what my my maybe main issue might be, aside from all the things that I was saying before, is that there's some like strange lack of panache for the movie. Like, I can agree we have, with that. We have like a lot of beautiful visuals of pinks and blues and hues of colors, but then you they sort of get into some of these things and then they they don't uh finish it and i don't know how long it's supposed to be anyway anyway like the scene that i'm specifically thinking about is like uh she's being interrogated by black mask and then um she goes into like this this weird almost like uh i don't know what you would call it like daytime delusion or it's like yeah it's like a dream sequence essentially dream sequence and i was like this is awesome and it doesn't really mean anything and doesn't really go anywhere and you kind of cut in and out of it and i was like man if they had gone like crazier with it because they do have really beautiful lighting in this movie i'm not gonna lie uh you have that... uh, matthew libatique doing the cinematography He's doing the cinemat- i was yeah. surprised to see that when i saw the when i saw the, the cinematography i was like man this guy that's, you could definitely uh, tell that there was good shots in here but yeah that's aronofsky's guy and he shot stars born yeah. last year he did yeah. stars born also with like sort of same color palette like pinks and blues and whatever else so when i'm seeing this like i see that there's some visual things on the screen but just something about it kind of lacked like an extra oomph. I know what you're saying, and I think I feel like that could be. You could perhaps chalk that up to like Kathy Yan, the director, who's you know it's it's her, you know her, almost her debut. It's her second film overall, but I mean maybe just a, I don't want to say a lack of experience, but just like a. I don't know, melding whatever she wants to do with whatever the DC kind of production scheme is supposed to be. At the same time, I mean, Peter, we talked about this a bit after the screening. It does still feel like a film that's all its own, right? Or at least that's what you were arguing, right? I thought so. Yeah, I did. I I didn't. In the same way where like Aquaman feels like a James Wan movie and uh, Shazam feels like a movie made by the by uh, Sandberg who made like it. They feel distinctly like their own film. Certainly. Yeah. No, I no, I absolutely felt well no, I think what I said was that like as the much Snyder as, films feel like Snyder films. I'm sorry, go on. No, 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 totally. As much as I liked Wonder Woman, um I mean, while Wonder Woman is somewhat in the Snyder it is, right? I mean, yeah, because the action scenes and the color palette is somewhat still in that Batman, Superman, Man of Steel kind of thing. I I beyond that I think that Petty Jenkins is really good with I think she's uh, great directing the actors, and I think she's made it. She made a strong, you know, good, strong like studio movie. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I could say, oh, that's such a Petty Jenkins thing in 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 this movie. Whereas I have it, I have a feeling it, that uh, Wonder Woman eighty four will be decidedly different in that regard between being set in the 80s and having less involvement with the i mean there's whole new writers on this on the next one so i mean i think there'll be less involvement as far as the kind of snyder-ness of the especially since it's been multiple years since you know this has started and that he was a bigger influence on it Mm. uh, i wouldn't know but 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 yes when i watch this and you're right maybe it is like a guy richie i was saying um edgar wright and you were disagreeing with me but like i I but yes, whatever it is that Birds of Prey has, um, or or lack, or what you're seeing is lack, uh, what Abe's seen is lack with the panache. I definitely felt some kind of point of view, you know. And I guess the point of view is basically in the movie's terms. The point of view is mostly Harley's. That's what the point of view is. Like, yeah, and I get that point of view, and this goes back to what you guys were talking about earlier. I mean, what I liked about yeah, it, it did take me like maybe ten minutes to really get into the movie because there's so much back and forth, but. 
Then you realize that it's from an unreliable narrator, much the same way the Joker was, but this one was done in a much more like obvious fashion um, that makes it much more engrossing. Um, but that being said, and with that in mind, that's why I was like, yeah, it's definitely a Harley Quinn movie. And as it goes along, I was really glad that they didn't, aside from her saying, I know this guy and it's Captain Boomerang on a wanted poster. There's no other people in this movie that is related to, um, Suicide Squad, Suicide or, anything Squad else or Batman or anything else. And I was really happy about that. Yeah, Again, no, at the end it, there, I was like, oh, I hope that there's no cameo by any other new guy that's going to play Joker. Or I hope there's no cameo by Batman or whatever. And there wasn't. And so I was like, I'm, I, this is great. And it's a standalone. Part of it's necessity or a lack of necessity because there's, it's so up in arms right now as far as what things are happening. Robert Pattinson's currently filming with Matt Reeves' The Batman, which hasn't debuted yet. So it'd be weird to have this like whatever version they care because they're not gonna get Affleck to come back and then Jared Leto's a vampire now or he's still he's still a vampire <laughs> no, no, he's, he's just, a scientist he's, yeah. he's no, well he's still a vampire he's just employed by Marvel now <laughs> um so it's you know you you can't like you can't just involve them anyway but even then I it, it was humorous how the film went through pains to not include the Joker whatsoever despite the whole opening being about him her breaking up from the Joker yeah. and uh, even that he was there is not is not Jared Leto's body <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, what else? Well, uh, well one, thing, one thing. Um, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, I thought that it's funny. I actually put on Joker tonight. I I wanted to see like his the new first... talk show, Joker tonight. Wait, wait, what? The new talk show, Joker tonight. That, that on that's Comedy Central. Joker, he kills yeah. Robert De Niro, I, uh, right? I put on the 4K uh, Joker. I just watched like a little bit of the opening because um, of the Oscars. I, I was I, I wanted to hear the score again and everything. And 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 I thought this when I was watching Birds of Prey. And I don't think it's necessarily intentional or anything because we know the Joker is a standalone. But I felt like the, the I felt like Birds of Prey's version of Gotham and the Gotham and Joker were closer than I thought like it's not exactly the same color scheme but it's like it feels somewhat like a lived in city and i also think it might be that except for the cell phones because i think i did say this to you aaron yeah in general it's kind of a very like going into your 90s thing it's kind of a very analog version of a city except for the fact that they do have cell phones they do I mean, yeah because it's gotham and gotham has a timeless quality to it i mean that's yeah. that that's the general idea whether it's burton's gotham or the animated series which has you know zeppelins and whatnot going around like there's <laughs> it, yeah i forgot about that the, the idea of gotham is that it doesn't They're need to exist ghost. Yeah, the great ghost. It doesn't need to exist in a specific time and place, but yes, there are like minor things here or there. But you're not you're not wrong. I would say, I mean, Gotham's a gritty place. I mean, so it's gonna you know it's gonna bear when you're making live action versions of Gotham City, they're gonna bear some resemblance to each, especially now. Like, yeah, we're not gonna see a Gotham that looks like Burton's Gotham or Schumacher's Gotham for that matter. But you know, seeing two movies like this, this and Joker, it's not too surprising that they're similar. Although one did film in New York, and this movie did film mostly in Los Angeles, actually. Oh, um, interesting. So, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Like I just, I just thought that was interesting, and they, they, I guess they both felt like more real places. And I don't know, there, like, there's like I love Burton's um, Gotham, and actually there are things I like about um, 
Oh, this is the things I like about Schumacher's Gotham. Sorry. Or, yeah, but but this there was something about this where I was like, wow, like even her her little studio apartment above the restaurant and everything. Mm-hmm. It just I don't know. There's a quality where I was like, ah, oh, I feel there's like a lived inness to these sets and stuff right. that I like. Well, that's just know? that's just production. That's good production design. That's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> and don't forget to order the number seven extra spicy, thirty-seven. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I had a question for you guys. Um, I, I name Montoya. Really... Wait, what? Oh, I had a question for you guys about Renee Montoya. I mean, is she a part of the Birds of Prey in the in the comic book series? There's there's an involvement. I mean, it's more of we're getting all the female characters together. That's what it comes down to. And she's you know, in terms of she's, representing she's, in terms of representing the GCPD, she a character that was again introduced in, just like Harley Quinn introduced in the um, in the Batman the Animated Series. It, Correct. it occupies that slot as opposed to you know putting in Commissioner Gordon or whatnot. The the, no, the notable person missing from this is Oracle, is uh, Barbara Gordon. Bar- Barbara Gordon? Yeah. yeah. She's she's you know a key member of the Birds of Prey. <laughs> she... Batgirl? Yeah, the back Batgirl who's at that point paralyzed because the Joker shot her, and now, her. She, now she's yeah. Oracle. That's the Dark. one of the key members of the Birds of Prey, and she's not in this whatsoever, which I guess comes down to the fact that they haven't introduced a. Barbara Gordon movie as of yet, so they can't really do that necessarily. Are they working on that? I don't know. I haven't seen the TV version of that. Is it Batwoman or Batgirl? Batwoman. Batwoman. So Who is that? Who's that person? That's a different character, and she's like, okay. oh, what? What is it? Peter? Do you know? It's like, a, is it Bruce Wayne's like cousin or something? Yeah, Kate. Kate Kane is. Kate Kane. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so it's not Barbara. Yeah. No, because that because Barbara's Bat Girl. This is Bat Woman. They're different. Yeah, they're it. different okay. Bat people. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other question I have for you guys in terms of um, Ewan McGregor, his ending, the the way that uh, Roman uh, his storyline is finished. Did you guys expect that? Because it's kind of definitive. Oh, it's very, it's very definitive, and I actually liked how sort of tossed off it was. I was like, yeah. oh, all right, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, that's a, I'm, I'm always down for that kind of matter of factness in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's very not, not one of those things where it's like, did you really catch me? Maybe with his like arm shrugged, oh, he's like running away into the tunnel or whatever. I, I mean, if you handle it well, you handle it well. At the same time, I just the the way it plays in the film is appropriate for the film for one thing, but also <laughs> yeah. just. It, it it's the kind of thing was like yeah that's how I'd expect that to go, or <laughs> <laughs> not not like specifically but it's like yeah no that that fits that's that's a good okay. that's that's a good whether it's shocking or not it's like yeah, all right yeah cool yeah I mean cool. it wasn't that holy shock but I was like oh that, like what you were saying earlier that's a choice and I was like yeah. I, I respect it I really do like the whole action at the end there by the way like the, between the location and the the use of the colors and whatnot I don't know Peter you have question we should talk about the soundtrack a little bit but I know the just everything coming together and i mean seeing all of the birds of prey together which is you know something that people i assume generally want in a movie called birds of prey like they play off of each other well so it's as opposed to yes some of the other some of the earlier dc super uh, dc movies of, of late they you know like wonder woman they don't end as strong because it just becomes a battle of cg globs but these recent ones, like Shazam, has a great ending. I love the end of Shazam, where it has all the Shazamming <laughs> happening, and uh, and Aquaman is just a feast for the eyes as far as everything going on at the end of that movie. So you know, more more of this, please, where we get like really good finales to these because the the MCU can't compete in a lot of instances either. They're they're that similarly just like overextended battles where it's like, okay, let's let's wrap it up already. Where this is just like <laughs> this is fun. This is and it's not too long. So 
Nope. I, yep. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I also wanted to say that, like, did you guys know that, like, I, it's not just Chad, the, the John Wick. It's also the, the co-editor. He did yeah. Wick tour. So they really had a, because it's where I had always heard that it was like, oh, they brought Chad in for reshoots. But I was like, well, they already had one of the editors of John Wick 2 and 3. I was like, so that makes me feel like by design in the early stages, they were at least thinking of this stuff. And I don't know. like well, It is because, I mean, you can think the media wants to frame it however they want to. It's like, oh, movie's in trouble. Need reshoot. It's additional photography, which is built into the schedule for any one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, yes, Chad Stahelski's had a good, has a good career going with John Wick films, but he's still a second unit guy. Like this is this is his actual regular job, which is coming in to do these kinds of things. So it's not, it's not the if it wasn't a DC movie at the time where superhero movies were at this kind of peak and social media is the way it is, this wouldn't be a story. It's only a story because it was turned into one. It's like yeah, no, they, they got a guy that does this kind of thing for a living to make good action scenes. Yeah, that's yeah, the end no. of it. That's, that's how that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, I'll say, I'll say, wait, is, no, wait, is he that, because there's two of them, right? They're Chad and, um... Chad Stahelski uh, and David Leach did the first John Wick. David yeah. Leach, obviously, he went on to do... The, Deadpool. What, uh, Deadpool. Deadpool 2, Atomic Blonde, and Hobbs and Shaw. Right, yeah. Uh, right, I was thinking of Atomic Blonde. How did you think this compared to Atomic Blonde? Well, I'm the one guy that didn't like Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I was so. like, didn't like it all that much. I did like it for its style. I appreciated the action, and yeah, the yeah. from a from a, an aesthetic standpoint, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. I just didn't care for the movie all that much. Yeah, yeah, no, I actually, I it's funny. I feel like most of us are pretty mixed on Atomic Blonde. Um, I I I felt like, and we can go, and this will be a good way to go into the music. I mean, one of the things I thought about Atomic Blonde was I thought it had a very strong uh style it did it totally did and i of course always like seeing charlie's throne kick ass and everything but a lot of their music choices a lot lot of that stuff i was always like ah this is just so easy or whatever this movie that's where i I think there's like a use of a heart song and maybe like a pat benner like there's not a lot most of it i was like oh these are pretty good choices like especially when you're following up suicide squad a movie where I'm still pulling yeah. out the nails because of how hard they were hammered into me. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an upgrade in that regard. That bad, huh? It's not yeah. a good movie. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like it either, but I don't think that I'm being like uh, haunted by the music. I don't remember the music in, in Suicide Squad. I didn't make a top 100 worst of the decade list, but... <laughs> I, It'd be I, the top. I, I know what the, I, the top 10 has a few contenders that I'm pretty sure about. So. I, well, we're going to have to do a special episode on that one. <laughs> uh, but, no, Peter, you're saying that you like the musical choices in this. Yeah, no, I did. I, you. I, you also I, agree. I like the score and I like the musical choices. again. I, like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think, um, I, which I think that's, you know, that's a skill too. I mean, I remember oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, not just to go back my, my biggest example I always use, which actually is not suicide squad, although that would work for recently is I remember being so driven crazy. And now I'm going to feel weird if you guys love this movie. Um, but I really couldn't stand, uh, blow, uh, the Johnny Depp, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and not, Penelope Cruz. Yeah, good. and it's, it's just it's, it's not, not good. a good movie. <laughs> so and so many of the music cuts feel like this director. Wait, is it Ted Demi? Ted Demi did you play off Ted Demi? Wait, that did Ted Demi do? 
he did some good stuff, right? He's done lots of good stuff. He just, yeah. just blow sucks. That's all. <laughs> just so many like things where it's like, and now we're going to go into a montage because that's what Scorsese does. And it just, it just felt. Well, so- I'm challenging hey. myself now. Cause I'm like, what are the good Ted Demi films? Just, I know there's some <laughs> keep going. I'm sorry. Well, I always think he did Miami blues, but I think that's, no, George- that, that, that's George Armitage. Cause yeah. He, cause which I, I love. I mean, Ted I, Demi did the ref. He did the ref, yeah. He did yeah. the ref, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all from this because him and George, they're from the same school as far as following and Jonathan Demi's kind right. of footsteps, but doing things more on the crime-driven side. Like it's a, if like Jonathan Demi only did things like Married to the Mob, that's what Ted Demi and George Armitage like basically wound up doing. Interesting. Yeah. Life, life with Martin. Life Lawrence with Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. Is so, it Eddie Murphy? Yeah, Eddie Murphy, and Martin Lawrence. Yeah. All that makeup. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also There's not a ton of Ted Debbie films. <laughs> I'm looking at this now. Like, right. A lot of TV and a lot of music videos. Yeah, a lot of stand-up specials. Dennis Cleary's yeah. No Cure for Cancer. But I, I also wanted to say that I wanted to give a shout out that um, not only did I think the, um, you know, the music, the editing, the action scenes were all really good. I only found, and again, this could be maybe I do not have as a discerning eye as you two, but there was only one moment. There's only one fight scene where I was like, oh, that's clearly not Margot Robbie. Like, in general... I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but in general, I was like, well, this really looks like they they really put all the actors, everyone, they're, they're doing as much as they can, you know, like, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I mean... Sorry, I'm just, it's because he passed, Demi passed away when he was 38. He wasn't that yeah. old when he died. I knew he died. I didn't know he was oh. that young. Whoa, he, I didn't know he was that young. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <on. laughs> I was like, good Ted Demi uh, tribute. Uh, Rest in paradise. Um, the the that's the that's the largest takeaway I have too. Peter is like the best things that I like about this are the editing. Um, it's like great editing for the action. You know, a lot of people don't really do this, and that's uh, when you have people that can fight, and if you can disguise them the way that you can disguise somebody who looks like Harley Quinn, heavy makeup, just wet, pale skin and a wig, then great. Do what you can, because those long shots um, just make for a more, co- more cohesive fight. And a lot of people can really learn from this. This is actually, that was one of the things that, that I really enjoyed about the movie. I do think the irreverence is a good factor as well. This is a funny movie. Like, it does have, like, its level of charm to it as far as the sense of humor it has. I mean, the extended bit of her watching the breakfast sandwich get made I think was pretty good. Like, oh, yeah, that's great. The that's use great. of the fan to like really emphasize it, the slow motion and everything. Like, there's, there's bits. Like, I wish there was more of that overall. Like, I do think it gets caught up and it's the grittiness a little bit too much as far as like how you know how far. Like, hey, if you mentioned the whole dream sequence, like, yeah, if it had more of this like surreal stuff and it had more, not necessarily like jokey jokes, but if it had just more kind of anarchic mayhem going on i think right. there, i think there's fun to be had with that that you could I mean, that goes on. into like the, the tonal uh differences right where it's like it does know how to play some funny scenes really funny it knows how to play some action scenes really well um and it knows how to play some dramatic scenes well but together it just doesn't come together as as uh neatly yeah because it's not like it's not amazing. Like the movie's, it's good. Like it's just, it's not, yeah. it's not overwhelmingly. Good I think Peter would like it. You think that it's good. And I think that it's fine. I think, yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, like I, I don't, again, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've learned this about myself that I need to reserve judgment for when I do the rewatch, but I, I don't, 
Peter, we're not we're not called rewatch and review. It's not out. It's not out now again. It's not out now again. It's not like out now two weeks after it was released kind of thing. It's more just like, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, Peter, just a tangent very quickly. An example of this is 1917. I watched it for the first time and I was like, I was blown away. Second time I watched it, I was like, you know, not as blown away, <laughs> but but it's still uh, your number one movie of 2019. Exactly, yeah. Still, still my number one movie of 2019. Uh, minus, uh, maybe I might change it with Portrait of a Lady on Fire that opens up this weekend. But, it's really good. I heard that's great. I heard it's great, yeah. But I was like, why am I not able to see this in 2019? Um, limited uh, limited uh, release. I'm not in LA or New York. Yeah. Uh, with all that being said, though, uh, did you guys have anything else to say about, uh, I was going to say Suicide Squad, about uh, Harlequin? Or, I'm sorry, uh, Birds of Prey? I mean, Ali Wong must be like living it up, right? Or at least her manager must be for getting a, a, her character who only exists in a couple scenes in hallways and in offices, yet she <laughs> appears on the poster. <laughs> her name is on the poster of everybody else. So it's like that's that deserves some kind of credit, I suppose. Like there's there are some cast members that aren't on the poster, and Ali Wong is right up there. So. Whoever her agent is, I need to meet him, her, because you know. That's pretty great. No, I agree. I I thought that too. I was just because I, like, like we like yeah. like in the theater they had the whole thing like displayed on the screen like the poster before it started, and it, it like her name is prominently billed like wait so who is she playing because I'm like watching all these previews it's like it's, it's, it's like some surprise character is she Oracle like and it's like <laughs> oh. no she's she's nobody of importance in this movie. She's a deputy DA that says I'm gonna turn you in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I will say that I really hope people that had an interest in this or, or, or like these kind of movies would, would go just cause I, cause you know, it did not have a great, uh, opening weekend, but you know, we're going into the Valentine's day weekend, which that was original. This was a, it's a original slot, right? They moved it up. I think. What? I think Purge of Prey was supposed to come out on Valentine's weekend, but they moved it a week up early. Right. Is that correct? <sighs> um... Not sure. You know, like there was a move up or something like, and that's why I, I felt like somebody, one of the articles about how the weekend, it wasn't doing great. And they were like, oh, but you know, they had kind of changed their plan. And I was like, oh, interesting, you know, like, but I get the idea we've seen, we've seen, especially around like Christmas, like holidays. If you open the movie the week before a holiday, you get that like bonus where it's like you get the first weekend and then the second weekend in theory, people like it. Because it's a holiday weekend, you get, like, a better second weekend. Yeah, that's why I'm not... I don't remember this at all as far as it being originally for some other day. I feel like it was always this date was in mind. Okay, maybe I misread. But either way, I mean, I hope... uh, I hope that people... um, If you are interested in this kind of thing, uh, I hope you go... Let me ask you guys this, though, because I know a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, had been talking about this. He thinks that if this was PG-13, it would have made a lot more money. Um, now by default it would, cause it's PG 13. That's just right. The I, movie. I am, I'm totally fine. If the movie by design is a really kick-ass action kind of gritty movie, but it's PG 13. Absolutely. I, I have no problem with that. Like my, my problem would be more like if by design it was this movie 
And then at the last minute, they were like, oh, we need to cut this for PG-13. Uh-huh. That, can, that can really backfire. That can make the action scenes. like It would, because it would affect the action. That's the only thing it would affect. I mean, you could, the language is like whatever. But the, it would, it, it right. would, you could tell. You would be able to tell that the action's been cut to shreds because of that's what that's what an r rating allows it's not necessarily just the fact that there's blood in it it's the way it's the way it's the very way you shoot a scene to begin with like harley quinn jumping on a guy's legs you can't that show was that. hilarious bro. but you can't show that at all in a pg-13 yeah. movie you'd have to you'd have to edit things around or like also, the way I, the way wanna... the way hits land on impact there's like little yeah. things like that that those are the real things that harm things like blood whatever you can do whatever with that but the I mean, you could you could even just choose to not have it, and exactly. it could I mean, still just be PG. Like some movies will have excessive, quote unquote, excessive violence, uh, but then just no blood, and it's like PG thirteen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So but either way, so do you guys, and you guys didn't like the movie as much as uh, I did, but are you? Do you like? Do you feel like what the movie is for what it is rated? Everything you're like, yeah. This is what it should have been, or are you like, no, it, it should have just been PG thirteen. No, I'm on, I'm on the. It should have been. It, it is what it should have been. Yeah, oh, it's, it, it's it's it is what it's what it's designed yeah. to have been. I don't, I don't know if a another designed version of this movie suddenly makes it, you know, drastically better just because it appeals to a larger audience. I mean, right. the movie, I, I like this movie that I saw, and to concede to something else is like. All right, that's just that's another movie now. Could there be a good version of that? Of course there could be, but I I mean, I think if if I was to put on my parenting hat or whatever else, it's totally fine to take your kids to go see this. No, this movie's not like hardcore in any way. Like yeah. it, it's the writing's more it's more it's the language and just the way the action is shot. That's really that's it. There's no other objectionable content right. in this movie. But you can't have somebody who's off a rocker not have any swear words and not, you know, there's a funny part where she's continuously stabbing somebody with like a, a little small needle. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's like, yeah, it's bits like that, that make it, that. that's yeah. the, that's the kind of quirkiness you can have with, while having the freedom of an R rating. Like, exactly. Yeah. And if a PG 13, it's just like the guy just falls over and that's it. And meanwhile, like, I, I do think there's a way you can, I mean, and I tried this with Deadpool, but I do think there's a way to do that. That would be, amusing i think there's a way to incorporate him into a pg-13 world where because of the nature of that character who's fourth breaking the fourth wall he would he would even be able to address it on screen i think there, there's a version of something like that because the movie itself i mean the r ratings feel like a joke to me because it's so dis- it, like it, the movies just feel so desensitized to violence in general where it's just like it's just a cartoon that happens to have a lot of red in it like it's ridiculous in that. Yeah. And, and i would agree with you that if you were clever like if the director uh kathy um specifically wanted to be like i'm gonna make this very funny in a way that addresses the violence but i won't show it to get the pg-13 rating then yeah she totally could have done that right she, like what you're saying aaron's like oh this is where a bloody scene's gonna come up so let's pause it and have Harley Quinn address this, the audience say, like, this is where it's going to get really bloody, but we're going to fast forward. It's like, of course you could find funny or ways she, to like, do it. she, like, grabs the screen and moves the camera to the left or something. And like, just you know, fast forwards or whatever, there's, right? There's funny things yeah. you can do. There's funny things you could do, but that's if you wanted to own up to it. However, to our point earlier, that's not the movie she wanted to make. This is the movie that she wanted to make, and it's R-rated, and I'm, I'm fine with it. Peter, yeah. as far as what you think could help, could have, you know, made a difference as far as the box office goes, I mean, it's a... It's a perfect storm of things, right? It's like, yeah, it's rated R. It's coming out at a time when there's a lot of other prestige films that are coming out that people still kind of want to see. It's Oscar weekend, however much of a difference that makes. You've made a sequel to a movie that people, 
I guess mostly were entertained by since it made a quarter of a billion dollars, but at the same time, it's not a good movie. <laughs> like uh, you've you've dropped the marquee movie star Will Smith. Uh, you have a movie that's called Birds of Prey. Who is that about? Says the average person. Like there's a lot. Like all of these things factor in as far as why am I seeing this movie? I already saw Bad Boys for Life, and I only see so many movies a year. Like any number of reasons are why the movie underperformed. It's true. It's true. And it's funny. I just thought Birds of Prey also, you and McGregor, should they have named it Dr. Sleep, even though that's the name of the book? Because if they had named it Shining 2 or something, maybe that maybe that would have helped. I don't know. You know. I think there's a way you could. I don't know. I mean, that's another one where it's like. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd have yeah, it'd be like Dr. Sleep, a shining tale or something. Yeah. Like, you know, some <laughs> yeah, number yeah, yeah. of things like that. Shining tale. But like. The shine continues. I mean, that's another mix of like, all right, Ewan McGregor. I see him in things. Do I always line up to see him? I don't know. What is this? It's a two and a half hour horror movie. A week after Halloween. Why do I need to go out to see that right now? I mean, there's. I mean, that's another one where it's like, yeah, it exists. I guess I'll see it when I need to. It's just like there's no, there's no push or requirement to see a movie like that. I, sure. I get why it didn't do as well as it did, even though it's, and it's like, yeah, it's a sequel to The Shining. Great. I've been waiting for this. Like, what? That's these are all thoughts I imagine the general audience would have. It's like, okay. Yeah. True. That's true. Um, but uh, well, wait. So, I mean, uh, okay. Well, actually, let me ask you this: Do you yeah. think that as much as you guys do not like, we all don't like Suicide Squad, because you guys didn't love this as much as I did, and it's James, it's James Gunn, right, doing Suicide Squad two? The Suicide Squad, yes. The Suicide Squad. Do you think that could be better? I, of I mean, course. Theory. <laughs> yes, I, I do. Easily. And that's not yeah. because, you know, of. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but James Gunn does have, he carries with him his own sense of style. And, you know, I thought about, I thought about James Gunn when I was watching this too, because I think there's two things that I think about. One of them is the use of music, like what you guys talked about. And when the team in Guardians of the Galaxy is suiting up, listening to Cherry Bomb, I'm like, that's a that's a great choice. You know what I mean? Like, it, we're going to play this song, and they're going to be suiting up. It's going to be kind of funny, but also at the same time, it also adds to the attitude of these characters that you have cr- uh, grown with in this movie. And so, yeah, I think that James Gunn's going to have a fun time with it if they let him do what he's going to do. I mean, give that that's what WB has been doing with these, especially these recent DC films, is letting the directors, you know, guide the production. And, you know, if with a with a... A premise like that in a world that James, excuse me, James Gunn can very much operate in, I don't have a reason to doubt this. James Gunn's made four movies, and I like all four of them, so I'll, I can, I'm not going to be upset about him being on Suicide Squad. It's like, yeah, do that. Like, where we're at right now with these DC movies, why would I not expect this to be at least fun? Like, it'll, you know. Do you remember when Disney would, like, kick James Gunn off and people were like, hey... We're not gonna do Guardians of the Galaxy three unless James Gunn is back, and then Disney relented, and now people don't remember it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, James Gunn did four. He did Slither, Guardians, Guardians two. What's the fourth? Super. Oh, I forgot. I like Super. Yeah, so, it's so much better than um, Kick Ass, which I couldn't stand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, similar costumes, I guess. 
Wait, what? Similar costumes, I guess, yeah. Well, the well, costumes... Well, Kick-Ass is green and Super's red, but sure. Super's red, yeah. <laughs> one's got a wrench, and one says, shut no, up, Prime. They're supposed to be... What they're if, grounded. You know, they're not superheroes. Right. So. Like, what if a normal person was a superhero? Right. I, yeah, I like... I forgot. Yeah, Super was good. Um, Super's like a dark character study that happens yeah. to be involved in that world. But, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I am hopeful for the Suicide Squad. I just... Yeah, I really... Yeah, I was not a fan of Suicide Squad. I mean, so. here's the, I mean every time I bring up Suicide Squad, I just think, well, yeah, I don't need to worry about the next one. Nobody involved with the first one's involved. So why should I pay? Why should I be concerned <laughs> about Suicide Squad? If you hey, told man, me Day Day, David Ayer's coming back and he's bringing everybody with him, it's like, well, yeah, then I'd be concerned about the next Suicide Squad movie. But that's not the case. Wait, who? Um, wait, is it the same cast? Is Will Smith coming? No. Everyone just, else. Idris Elba is in it, uh, apparently not replacing him, or maybe? Like, it's been very mum on that. Um, a lot of others are coming back, though. Margot Robbie's coming back. Viola Davis is coming back. Jack Jay Portman's coming, coming back. back. Jai Courtney, of course, is coming back. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, there's, there's, I mean, it's, you got some time before it hits. You got a year and change, yeah. but, I mean, we don't know too much about it, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a new beginning. It's like a Batman Forever. It's not entire. It's not entirely a restart. It's just like a soft reboot of it. If Nicole Kidman and Seal are gonna do uh, something with it, then great. Let's do. No, it. yeah, no. Seal play. <laughs> Seal's in the movie. Yeah, Seal's in it. Yeah, yeah. you didn't hear. You didn't get that one. Yeah, he's, oh. he put it on Twitter. <laughs> Wait, what's his uh, handle? At Seal. At the official Seal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I wanted to rails here. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to say that um, I will say and one more thing about Harley Quinn is that regardless of the quality the varying quality of these DCEU movies I think in general in general I mean I know some people have issues with Ben Affleck in general I got to say I think Warner Brothers I think they've done a pretty good job with the casting like I re- like I honestly cannot see anybody else but Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn same thing with Gal Gadot. I'm like, nope, she is absolutely Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they've done a pretty good job with that. Um, like, she, I, I don't know. I, I, for, for what it's worth, I think that's like a pretty, that's a really, that's a really good win. If you get her in 10 years when they reboot this and there's like a new actress that also plays the role pretty well, I'm going to, I'm going to watch you say, I can only see X person playing uh, Harley Quinn. You, well, well, I mean, yes, you bring well. up Affleck, it seems like everyone was like, <laughs> I mean, the initial, when it was initially announced, people were like, "That guy just won an Oscar," but fuck him now. But now, well, but the second what? I saw, yeah, when it was like first announced, he like just won for Argo, and then he's Batman the next day. I mean, it's not that quickly, but I mean, I remember people were like up in arms, like, "No, not Ben Affleck." But then when they actually saw Batman v Superman, it's like Affleck was the best part of this movie. Like, and that's, so it's it seems like he we got off pretty lightly in here. Yeah. The the, the most controversial one, I I guess, is like Jesse Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor, who I think is great as Lex Luthor. So. Love Jolly Ranchers. That's wait, right. wait, what? wait, what did you just say? I think Jesse Jesse Eisenberg. That was like the most controversial of the casting choices as far as yeah. these DC movies go. But I, thought I mean, he's no Gene Hackman, but still, they made a choice, and he's not bad. As it, like, I mean, as far as like a modern a, age version of yeah, Lex Luthor, yeah, he's like a millennial kid. It makes he, sense. He's basically, <laughs> they basically made Mark Zuckerberg a bad guy. Is I what think- they did. Right, and I, I know. Oh, yeah, I, he, he wasn't a bad guy before. That's, yeah, I was, that's, I was, that's, you know, not that he's not a bad guy right now, but. They finally <laughs> turned the tables on Mark Zuckerberg. 
No, I mean, that's, that's, no, you're right. You're right. It is the Mark Zuckerberg as Lex Luthor thing. And I, I guess, uh, I, I guess I feel like for two thirds of the movie, I feel like he's a solid Lex Luthor, but eh, I maybe maybe it's really the script, not the actor. I feel like it's not the actor. (laughs) His grand grand plan and everything. I was just like, oh, this is lame. Like, uh, I just find that very disappointing, but you're right. That's not necessarily the actor. So, but Um, I mean, yeah, as far as casting these movies i mean that goes for a lot of especially now superhero movies in general like i don't think of one where i'm like they really could have done something different with that it's like yeah yeah it fits <laughs> right no but i mean i i will say i really feel like margot robbie really feels like it's only been two movies so far but she to me really is like harley quinn um and it's such a you know that's such a that is a it, it, it's a pretty big over-the-top character i mean as we saw with jared leto at one point, I think we all kind of thought, you know, well, how can you fail being the Joker? You, you know, you just got to be big. Well, if you tattoo deranged on your forehead, that's a pretty good start. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, so it's like it it's is damaged. possible. Sorry. Yeah, it is. It is possible to to go big and then be really disappointing and not interesting. Yeah. So, but I mean, the, I think the difference there is Harley Quinn is it's a it's adapted from a very specific thing. It's adapted from Batman, the animated series, big, you know, New York accent, like they're going there's a certain thing you're going for where the joker is there's a lot of versions of the joker i mean there's there's ways to apparently there's a way to do it wrong but mostly all the other ways of you know basically worked like, so <laughs> when you said that it was really jarring my head and i was like yeah i guess there is a way to do it wrong <laughs> yeah there, there's there's, there's, there's clearly a way to do it wrong and then there's apparently five ways to do it right so, I, so I mean, weird <laughs> <laughs> well all right. I'm glad he didn't show up in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me too. Just, other, just be any... thankful. Yeah, when do people see Birds of Prey, Peter? I think it, I think if it's your kind of movie, because the movie seems, you know, it does seem like it's struggling. I would say, yeah, please go see it. You know, like, uh, you know, don't wait. Go check it out if if it's the kind of movie you're into. You know, um, what about you? Uh, yeah, see it in the theater. It's fun. Like it does the job for what you're expecting for this kind of movie. I one of you said get what you expected out of it and like yeah i got what i expected out of it it's that it didn't necessarily blow me away but i think as far as dc's track record goes it fits as far as here's another one of these and it's pretty fun so. i think that was peter that said that yeah. i'd say that you there's there's not a whole lot of here that really needs a theater per se so it's kind of more of like an hbo hmm. all right well with that all out of the way i think that's gonna wrap it up for this mini episode um, next week we'll be talking Sonic the Hedgehog. All right, let's do it. That's the plan. Back to our regular schedule. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, with all that said, that's going to do it. So, uh, Peter, where can people find more of your work online? Oh, uh, I'm writing at uh, whysoblue.com. Oh, hey, and I'm also on yep. Twitter and Instagram as Pajamo. Abe. Instagram, abe.mula, twitter.com slash walrusmoose. I'm at Aaron's PS4 on Twitter. I my the, my website, thecodezeek.com. All my written reviews end up over there, and I'm on We Live Entertainment, writing weekly movie reviews as well. Um, you know where you can find our show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that, and all over the place. Yep, and uh, give us a rating or review on iTunes. That'd be great too. Um, with all that, yeah, thanks, Peter, for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, yeah always fun. Thanks, guys. And until next time, so long and goodbye. You see. Take us over the road 
So bad.